Okay. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to More Than Words, the Academic Language Coaching Podcast. We are glad you're here. In each episode of season one, we will share strategies for academic language development. This year, we'll focus on ideas that will work in virtual, blended, and face-to-face learning spaces. During the course of the season, you will hear from all the academic language coaches in Title I and hopefully some special guests. Let's get started. Welcome back to More Than Words, everyone. In this part two of episode two, Building Classroom Community, we'll explore why classroom community is the first essential building block to developing academic language with your students. We'll also talk with another Wake County teacher about how she begins the process of establishing a safe and supportive classroom community, even now in this blended teaching and learning context. Joining me today are AL coaches Amy Gillum and Angie Jones, and Denise Sawada will chime in with the teacher interview later. So let's get to it. Why is it so important to establish a safe and supportive classroom community? And what exactly does it have to do with academic language development? When developing language, it is important to lower the affective filter for the students. As Veronica Vasquez mentions in the Collaborative Circle blog, the affective filter is an invisible psychological factor that can either facilitate or hinder language production. When the filter is high, Students tend to feel anxious, self-conscious, and experience stress. The lack of self-confidence can make students reluctant to participate. It can also really inhibit higher order thinking skills, the processes that make learning fun and rigorous. So not only will kids struggle with the language processing, but they will struggle with content and other skills too. And when that affective filter is low, students become risk takers as they manipulate language. They feel safe in making mistakes and feel empowered to interact with their peers. When students feel safe, they are more likely to answer questions and share their thinking with peers, as well as the teacher. And obviously, the more students participate, the more they are able to build ideas and connect understanding with each other. So Amy, what students are we talking about here? Is this something that just our EL students need? It's definitely something English language learners need, but it's also essential in ensuring equity for all students. I know we can all think of a student who has strong content knowledge and skills, but doesn't feel safe sharing for some reason. If that student doesn't feel comfortable sharing their knowledge with the rest of the class, then everyone loses out. We all want every student in our class to be able to process content, respond to learning, take risks, and feel socially connected in their classroom environment. So, Amy, if you had to choose one place to start, what would you suggest as a first step towards building that safe and supportive classroom community? Creating expectations for communication or discussion norms with your class is a great place to start. Let the students be a part of the process so they have ownership. Just like kids who will eat vegetables if they have a part in growing them, students who take part in defining the expectations for what respectful and purposeful communication looks like in their classroom community will be invested in following those expectations. It's also really important to consider the fact that what safe and respectful communication looks like can vary greatly from one family to the next. We don't want to judge any one way of talking versus another. There are all sorts of ways to be as communicators. We just want to define what communication expectations we will have for each other 
within this particular learning community or classroom so that all students will be on equal footing. So then Angie and Amy, to sum it all up, if our students are stressed or feel disconnected or devalued, they can't learn and they'll be less able to communicate. Establishing a safe and supportive classroom community and prioritizing structures like discussion norms that make it clear that every student's voice matters are essential to the success of all students. Yes, so let's hear from academic language coach Denise Zawada and Miss Sherry Callahan, who teaches fourth grade at Bailiwick Elementary. They talk about Sherry's experiences with leveraging academic language to build relationships and classroom community virtually, as well as face-to-face, -face, considering both synchronous and asynchronous opportunities for engagement. Let's listen in and see what they have to say. Hi, Sherry. Hi. <laughs> well, it's been a little while since we've seen each other and mm -hmm. um, spent time together. And I do miss seeing you and your, and your students. Um, I just want to start out today by asking you just a few questions to help other teachers um, with their classroom community. Um, you do such a great job whenever I am with you and your, with your students. And um, I just want to start out today by asking you, what ways have you adapted your um, structures for classroom community now that we're in um, virtual learning? And then thinking about when you go back, um, how might you make some other adjustments when it's more blended learning? Well, um, you know, we have we start every day with a morning meeting. And um, I was kind of afraid that we were going to come in and that the kids would be really quiet and not participate. And uh, especially with the new group, you know, back in the spring, we all knew each other. And so we just kept doing morning meeting. You know, our, we met every day, sometimes twice, most of the time, twice a day throughout the spring. We continued to meet through the summer because the kids didn't want to didn't want to end that connection. And um, so we had like our natural rhythm, but for the new group coming in, I was really afraid that there would just be crickets, you know, nobody would talk. And um, so I started out playing some quizzes and getting the kids involved in that and just the quizzes for fun, like where you um, identify different fast food restaurants or different logos for uh, clothing and shoes and stores and whatnot. Just, you know, low risk, but a lot of fun. And quizzes itself is just so much fun, you know, playing live. And, um, and in a sneaky kind of way, I was able to tell who knew how to find a link and click on it. And and log on because they did that for quizzes. And so I know, of course, I could do that for anything else I want them to log on to. But um, the, the big piece I was afraid of was the engagement piece and whether I could get them there. And still, you know, some kids are far more engaged than others. So um, I've been looking for ways to kind of pull everybody in why do you think that some kids are more engaged than others? Some are just quiet by nature. Um, some kind of take a backseat, just like they would in the classroom, where you have the kids who always want to volunteer an answer and, you know, always want to, to have the floor. And then the kids who just kind of 
you know, blend in the back and it's a lot easier to do in a digital environment. Um, but I knew that I had to get uh, small group stuff started as soon as possible and doing things like giving kids think time and letting them know that a question was coming. Um, I've got a couple of kids who really get anxious but want to participate. And, you know, where we can't put them in a, in a live small group where they can kind of validate their thinking with other kids and kind of, you know, build on their thinking with other kids uh, before they share out to the whole group. They can't do that on the spot. But by posting things like our slides and whatnot earlier in the, the morning or the night before, I have a couple of kids who will go on and look through them so that they they're they're front loading you know they're they're ready when we actually have the discussion and it's amazing you know just talking to the kids and talking to the parents about well what would help you and um that's a solution to to some of that um resistance to participating and then there have been a lot of issues like just getting to the bottom of whether it's technology um do they not know how to like find links or find slides in Google Classroom, or are they confused if there's a password and um, just trying to troubleshoot some of that to eliminate that as an obstacle has been important. But so then there's- thinking of the um, students who um, beyond technology might be a little more reluctant or shy, or like you said, you made a good point that um, you're obviously starting the year. Last year, ending the year, it was a group that had been together in person, um, but this this group hasn't physically met one another yet. So how do you think um, the discussion norms that um, maybe you all have made together might help those students who are just a little less um, confident in their, in their discussions? Well, as soon as we were able to start uh, breaking up into small groups, even when it was, uh, we first of all, added small groups for reading and for math um, that still was, you know, mostly teacher directed, but really kind of empowering the kids to take a more active role, um, thinking about how I group kids together um, to, to just get the most discussion as possible and, and having conversations with the kids and letting them know that my goal is to hear everybody talk or to see you post because it's fine if you want to post in the chat. Um wow, as I was listening to Sherry and Denise talk, I was able to get a clear picture of how she focuses on building a safe and engaging community for her students. She uses morning meeting to give students the opportunity to discuss familiar topics and engages students in fun quizzes to get them comfortable with using technology and having dialogue around com common themes. I can just imagine the excitement that students have when they engage in this safe competition-like activity. I am sure students begin to take risks and engage more as they get comfortable with each other. Yes, and Sherry also mentioned that she knows there are some barriers for students as they participate, like having difficulty with technology or being less confident to participate in the whole group setting. So she provides ways for all students to find their voice by using the chat box or front-loading information for the next day's activity so they know what to expect and can be prepared for the conversation. I also love that she utilizes student groupings, whole group and small group, 
to ensure that each student is supported to participate and be engaged. All of these engagement opportunities build confidence in individual students, as well as create a community of learners that is safe and interactive. Thanks to Denise and Sherry for sharing their conversation with us today. I'd like to mention that the Responsive Classroom at responsiveclassroom.org has an article titled Maintaining a Positive Community Remotely. They give great suggestions for how to maintain morning meetings in an online environment and offer other suggestions for some fun community building activities. We've linked that article in this episode's show notes. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We hope you have some renewed energy for building classroom community, as well as some great ideas to use with your own students. We hope you join us again next time for our discussion on protocols for building language and content, and as a tool to list up, lift up every student's voice. We'll also share some ways they can be adapted to the virtual environment. Goodbye till next time on More Than Words.